0: Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't-miss-game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan, at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for football
1: presents, the College Football Roundtable.
2: All right. We are live.
1: we made it through another
2: year of college football and the University of Georgia stands on top of the mountain. Not a surprise there. Uh, We're here to recap the college football championship game, trying to answer some of the burning questions that we hope to get answered in the offseason. One of those questions we already got the answer to earlier this week. And that was where does Sam Hartman end up? He ended up at Notre Dame for the 2023 season. There's a lot of other movements, but we'll get into that later in the show. What's up trash talkers. Welcome back to the college football Roundtable, or if you prefer, you can just call it ring knocker radio, but we have modified that again for this year and we're now calling it two O's and an NCO. So we got two people, uh, already watching in the, in the, uh, the, the if you guys have any comments, feel free to jump in and, uh, say what's up let us know what you guys are doing and what you're talking about i'm your host rob the angry colonel calling out of the center of the universe here at fort bragg we got dano ikabesa out of coastal connecticut and trigger joe out of the home of the big house how is it going today guys
1: yo man Good. Uh, A little sad about how hard the horn Frogs went down and sadder still that college football is over. You know, what can you do? I got so busy this year with Azure football and just life that I feel like I personally took college football season for granted a little bit when we were in it. Um, You know, and and that sucks because now it's over. And, you know, I got to see Army Army play a bunch, um, but I didn't see as much of the regular college football as I might have wanted. So, you know, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, how about you? Uh,
0: uh, no, no, I was uh, exactly the same sentiments as Dan. you know, seeing the fo- college football season and it's always like a day of uh, like diet morning or morning light where you're almost like grieving. Uh, but yeah, I love college football. So seeing it go is, is a bummer. And, and it would have been nice to see the Wolverines playing for a natty. And that's what I was really hoping for until I saw Georgia strut out of the tunnel last night. Now I'm glad somebody else took that whooping because that wouldn't have ended well for anybody. Ohio State truly did give them the best game they had in the playoffs and pretty much all year, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will agree with you on that one, Joe, but one of the other things that uh, I want to talk about real quick is how about the Penn State running their freaking wing tee during their bowl game? I thought that was super, super cool. I was like, whoa, this is like way, way throwback like back when I was in high school running the wing tee, which is a great offense, again, very, very deceptive. It kind shades of shades of uh, the triple option before it became the triple option, you know, because then the wing bone or the wishbone evolved out of that then going into the flex bone. But I really think that it was a uh, it was a good college bowl season. We'll kind of dive into the numbers by conference a little bit later. But, hey, let me tell you, I don't know if the moment was too big for TCU last night or if Georgia is that good or a combination of the two. But like when you watch the way that TCU played against Michigan, like they were on a mission. And I think Mm. really it was one of those things. They just didn't know what they didn't know. You know what I mean? You had five players with bowl experience that are going into uh, the game against Michigan. So they just outplayed them. You know, it was just a regular game to them. And then after that, you get to sit around for 10 days and listen to everybody tell you how great you are. And then Mm. all of a sudden you have to play the best team in the country. And I think legitimately that – they just got too big for the moment. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I, I think Georgia was that good. And, and that's a great point from Dave Graves. Like nobody's beating Georgia last night, the way that they played. It was tremendous. But uh let's uh run down how we got to the championship game. Dano, let's talk about the the horn frogs.
1: Yeah, man. The horn frogs um started the season unranked. They're either the first or the second team to play for a national championship after starting unranked uh, in the history of uh, the current college football landscape, um, current, you know, sort of way of figuring champions. First year coach Sonny Dyke won the AP uh, coach of the year. Previous stops were in California from 13 to 16 and then the Southern Methodist University from 18 to 2021. Um, Overall head. Record as a head coach is eighty four and sixty four. That is pretty damn good, especially you know if you're not Alabama. Um, TCU plays in the Big Twelve. Uh, that could be considered a, a tough strength of, strength of schedule. I think that um, I think they played a bunch of good teams this year. Uh, they said sits at 8th, so that puts him just above Michigan. Eh, I don't know about that. Um, behind two of the other playoff teams, Georgia and OSU, coming in at number 2 and 3, respectively. Uh, and then friend of the show, Chris Vanini, said on Twitter that he thought uh, TCU had the best season of any team that didn't actually win a championship this year, and I thought that, that was probably too true. I mean, if you think about it, they come in with no expectations. People are picking them to finish at best seventh in the big 12 they lose the big 12 championship game obviously they got smoked last night but nobody had them getting half this far this season and you know think about this quarterback max duggan actually lost the the starting job in preseason camp so if the horn frogs actual starting quarterback doesn't take a key entry early in the year like we never even see this team emerge that's crazy man
2: yeah I, i mean they were talking about the they were talking about tcu's record you know during the broadcast yesterday like they were like what six and seven or or like yeah five and seven last year Uh, five five
0: wins last year yeah yeah
2: Yeah, they were middle of the
0: road team with a good defense and that was about it
2: yeah so when you really think about it man that's pretty impressive you look at the notable wins that they had of course they beat kansas when they were undefeated they beat k-state which was great the first time they lost split basically with k-state oklahoma which was pretty impressive oklahoma state they put a whooping on them and freaking west virginia like West Virginia is a solid team, you know, the yeah. old big East. And then yeah. of course the, the, the bazooka fire drill against the Baylor at the, the waning moments. I, I genuinely think like, this is just my, my thought process, but uh, I think for the most part, every college team needs to do that bazooka drill, because if you don't give the other opponents time to think about what they want to do or try and ice you, I think it's better for your team, you know, because it, it, the kickers get inside their own head And like Dan said on the on the preview show last week, like you're kicking in front of 11 million people. Like, good Lord. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, can you imagine like the most I've ever competed in front of is maybe two grand. And that was a lot like that was that was freaking deafening. And I can't even imagine 11 million like that's mind blowing.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, like, and you know, that kid is, is a basket case because like Ruggles is like, he never missed a kick. And that's one hmm. of the other things. And it's like, like I said, there's a kicker. That's my classmate who will not be named, but everybody knows who he is. That was Mr. Automatic for years, right? Never missed a kick. And then when we get into a bowl game against Auburn and in the independent bowl, he misses. And that was like, what happens? Cause like sometimes the pressure of the situation, it could be the hold. It could be the wind. It could be any number of factors. It's a multifactorial factorial problem. But at the end of the day, you know, like I th- kickers, I think kickers in that hit.
0: situation, they just get cranked a little too tight and that big game kick, yeah. you know, and they're not, they're not swinging with their natural muscle memory. You know, they're trying to force it. And so you get a kicker out of rhythm or something. I mean, that's, you, you, you don't know where that ball is going because they've got one way of doing things. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a muscle memory type thing. And they, they get a little ratcheted up by nerves and percentages go down.
2: Yeah. And there's no way an hit double hockey sticks that Rob would ever be a kicker. Like no way, like, <laughs> like, like, cause at least, at least, you know, like if you're a defensive guy, you got 10 other players on the field to kind of, you know, help you out if you miss. Yeah. But if you're the kicker, that's it, man. That's on you. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the, the outcome of that situation is on the kicker. But uh, again, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Max Duggan. Uh, Keandre Miller didn't play last night, which was really, really hurt. You know, and I think that that kind of hurt the the running game. Quentin Johnson never really got it going yesterday. Defensively, hey, the Horn Frogs looked good. But I think, yeah. like, the sugar huddle is what got them. You know what I mean? Because the way that they play defense is they need time to kind of do that pre-snap assessment, and they weren't getting that because of the tempo that uh, Georgia was throwing out.
1: It was just the sheer athleticism. I mean, you know, Georgia had that one play. It was like third and ten. Uh, TCU sends the, the max blitz the defensive end actually gets back to the quarterback, maybe gets a hand on him, and, and you just see Stetson Bennett like roll out of it and sprint out and get the first down with his legs. I was like, forget yeah. it. This game is over. yeah, yeah. Well, the you other kidding part me? Of
2: it, yeah, the other part of it is is like, you know, freaking doggone. Uh, <laughs> that's not very nice, Greg Anicelli. We know that's you. But uh, I will tell you, the uh, the problem is the, the guys that uh, – actually ran into that play that like they they just couldn't stop him because of the athleticism. And the other piece of it is, is like Stetson Bennett is old enough to get a discount on renting a car. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you got to consider that part of it too. He is a grown man. He's a grown man playing a child's game. And and like, sadly, I don't think there's some pro teams. I think the lowest ranking pro team probably would have lost to Georgia last night just Mm. based off of the way that they were executing.
0: Oh, nice. Well, yeah, you get a you get a quarterback that's comfortable in that system that puts a defense into, the, into a tempo offense, and he's a master at running tempo. Your defense has no chance. Not on that first yeah. drive they don't, because all those plays are scripted. We all know yeah, the yeah, first yeah. 10 plays are scripted. You get a guy like Stetson Bennett to get you rushing to get to your spot on the field, forget yeah. about it. Don't pull a hammy, son, because he's going to score on you. That first drive, it's over with. So I, I'd run tempo. If I had the quarterback to do it, I would run tempo until he said, coach, I'm going to gas out
2: yeah. because it's it, the
0: hardest thing to defend against when you've got a good quarterback that knows how to run a tempo offense.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's fair. And let's since we're already talking about it, let's move on to University of Georgia. Joe, what do you got on, on these? guys? All right. You know, Georgia
0: ran the table, started one, finished one. Hats off, you know, the Kirby Smart, another uh, Nick Saban system coach. He's coached pretty much everywhere in the South. And uh, he's been at Georgia since 2016. Um, Woody had the number two strength of schedule and the Bulldogs said they, they definitely had their work cut out for them this season. Uh, but running the table in the sec two times in back to back is one of the hardest things to do in college sports period. So uh, I commend them for that. Of course, they're, you know, their closest test was against Ohio state in the play in the national semifinals. Um, and that game was definitely a heck of a lot closer than people give it credit for. So, um, I think that's a testament and a prep as to OSU, like we called it. I'll give it to you since you're an OSU fan, but we both said OSU is going to play them tough. They've got enough NFL talent, and they did. So yeah. uh, notable players, front seven on both sides of the ball are – I mean, were are absolutely critical. You got Stetson Bennett, who's 37 years old. The two tight ends, Bowers and Washington, <laughs> completely open up the passing game to where you cannot double a single wideout. Um, but the running backs, another two, or running game is another two-headed monster uh, with Macintosh and uh, Dejon Edwards both combining for over 725 yards and seven TDs minimum apiece. And then you had Kendall Milton, who had uh, close to 607 scores himself. So the offense is solid. The defense is elite. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year. But from everything I've heard, they've got a monster recruiting class coming. Yeah.
2: Well. Well, the other part of it is, is like, like that was one of the that was one of the big question marks in the Ohio state game too, was like, Hey, how did, why did they use Brock Bowers? Was he hurt? I don't know if there was anything going on, like maybe he had an injury or something because like by comparison to, you know, by comparison to the Ohio state game, Georgia's team used their weapons a lot better, I think in this game. And I think part of it is because of the preparation, because the coaches actually had Mm -hmm. a time to kind of scheme against what, uh, you know, TCU was doing, but the other part of it is a straight up like, like Brock Bowers is an athlete, that dude's a sophomore, yeah. right? So, we yeah. got at least a year, maybe two, of seeing that cat again. And I, go ahead, Dave. yeah,
1: I was gonna say, no, I George's what well, we were talking about this before that we came on, you know, George has been streaky all year, like they go up against Kent state and let Kent state hang around for three quarters. You know, they end up beating them by 15 points. It wasn't like the game was close, but if you catch Georgia on the right day, you can hang with them. You catch them on the wrong day and you get freaking smoked. And for whatever reason, I don't think that the that the dogs had their best stuff against Ohio state. And they definitely emphatically had their best stuff last night. I mean, I don't think the, the layoff really helped them, but they're just like, they're they're not the super consistent team that you want them to be as a bunch of killers like i feel like alabama plays more consistently even though they weren't as good this year whereas georgia like they had highs and lows they just never went low enough to actually lose a game
2: yeah for sure and and i think i think part of it is is the the whole discussion of like preparedness like i don't dude kobe's Kirby smart like I would have loved to be in that locker room as they're doing film analysis because they dissected that defense mm. and, you know, hats off to Todd Munkin for, for calling the game that he called as the OC because like they were creating space that just shouldn't have happened. Like who runs a freaking middle screen with a wide receiver? Like nobody. I've <laughs> got a better
0: question. Line. What didn't work?
2: Nothing. Yeah, everything
0: list. worked. What, like, what they didn't were just, work they, boys? They, yeah, they'd I, run
1: a trap for 10 yards. Like, Every time it was great, I mean, just anything inside handoff, 12 yards, just it's like well, the
0: triple option, you flicker with the backup sophomore quarterback didn't work, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. And,
1: Everything
0: and, else, and we'll
2: toss, touchdown. yeah, we'll we'll toss this out to the peanut gallery. But I think there was what only two punts on the Georgia side. But what oh, are you guys thinking man. about the the offensive performance of Georgia last night? I think like that was truly one of the most high powered offensive performance that I saw all season, yeah. You know, and, and particularly from Georgia, it was just like, man, these guys can't stop. Like, and yeah, the, the sad part of it is, is I don't think they let off the gas at all by any stretch. You know what I mean? Because they were just executing their offense. And again, it goes back to, you know, this isn't this isn't like you playing NCAA, you know, on on a video game console and you running up the score because you're trying to showboat on your friends. It literally is them just executing an offense, and and they just couldn't stop them
1: yeah it was it was like we've been waiting for them to break out and have that game a lot and the only other time I, I didn't watch Georgia play every game but the only other time I saw them look like that good was in the game the home game against Tennessee um, yeah you know they they that team did not show up every week but when they showed up they they just crushed get uh crush teams Tennessee is a good team and they smoked them so what are you going to do? Yeah. Is it possible yeah, with the talent
0: sure. gap that we saw last night, is it possible that Georgia just got bored going into some games? I've played on some teams where we were poorly coached and you're going up against a team, you know, you're going to beat. Sometimes it's hard to get up for those games. Mm. So I don't know, maybe going into Mizzou, they were a little sleepy eyed. Like this isn't even exciting. And, you know, I'm not saying that to knock on these teams that they had close games with, but their defense didn't play, uh 37 points better against TCU than they did against Ohio state. You know what I mean? I think some games uh, you're just a little more up for, I mean, after what Michigan did to Ohio state, I don't think Georgia was really worried about them. And that's, uh, that's why I thought Ohio state had a better chance. Cause I do agree that they probably played better against TCU, but not 35 points on defense better. You know, mm, yeah. I, I feel like they, yeah,
2: that's fair. Well, and here we are. So Georgia won all of its games. is making the SEC the conference to beat again. They are in the driver's seat, and it sucks because the last four college football <laughs> playoff winners have come from the SEC. So you've got LSU, you got Bama, and then now you have Georgia twice. It is insane, the, the depth in the SEC. And then the other part of it is is like, hey, look. We watch the, you know, we watch these football contests week after week after week, hoping to see some improvement. <laughs> and now with all the, well, with all the conference realignment, how does the SEC look? You know what I mean? Mm. Like you've got, you've got the Texas conferences now collapsing because everybody is leaving to go to the SEC. Then you've got, you know, the PAC 12 is moving. You got UCLA, you got USC that are going into the big 12. I personally think that is a horrible move, but that's just, yeah. that's my thought. I, I don't really like it either.
0: Conrad, to be honest with you, I like, when? what are you going to tell a kid that wants to play at Southern Cal? Like, hey, man, y'all fired up to go play this game Halloween weekend in Iowa? Like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not at all for any reason, Coach. I'm from Los Angeles. I don't want to go, you know. Like, I think that's going to hurt recruiting a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it,
1: who knows? Some of these teams are signing up to get curb stomped by Arkansas, you know, every year for the next five.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and, our, and Arkansas is like, a also ran in the SEC, but I guarantee you they will put the whooping on some of these teams. And the other part of it is, it's like, hey, Lincoln Riley, you better start studying up on how to or find a damn good defensive coordinator because yeah. you cannot play Pac 12 defense in the Big Ten. Like, yeah, sure, uh, oh, sure, he, oh, sure he can. Let him try. <laughs> Give him a yeah, chance. Like, like, like you're gonna you're you're gonna see some scoring records broken because you know it's going to be a race to a thousand points in both of those things and and, and like i said i think they're i think got to highlight david
1: game. graves comment here as a ucla fan yes we exist uh growing <laughs> up i don't like ucla going to the big 10 either yo <laughs> what a world i mean I, this we we have the only ucla college football fan here and yeah. how weird was it that they played the game in Los Angeles? I mean, stadium's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but oof.
2: yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a, that's a true statement too. what Brendan Jones just said. The the money whoring in FPS uh, shows no bounds that they, they stand by tradition until they can get another nickel. And that's true. But again, that, that I think that's partially why the playoff expansion has happened because we're starting to see parity at least in the playoff. Right. So when a team yeah. like TCU can come out of nowhere and make it to the national championship, like granted, they laid an egg. However, I don't think it was, I, well, I can't see that they laid an egg. They just got outplayed by a much better team, but Well, if you expand the playoff, then you get much more compelling contests like that. So you can have an Ohio, you know, you can have an Ohio State Georgia contest that's pretty compelling. But that's like four to six weeks out from the national championship, so that makes it that much more interesting, at least to watch. But the reality of it is, is about asses and seats. And I don't know if you like, I saw uh, another guy on YouTube. He's talking about ticket prices, and one of the things that they said was ticket prices fell by like thirty, like by sixty percent. When wow. TCU won. So like the lowest, yep. like your top tier seating was like $1,200 for the nosebleed seats. And that was before any of the playoff games happened. And then when Ohio State played it close, everybody was kind of happy. When Michigan lost to TCU, then you saw the numbers drop off significantly. So the tickets went from like 1300 bucks to $400. And the uh, reason why that... TCU's a tiny a woman school woman.
1: comparatively. Yeah. I mean, you know, Michigan's yeah. got 50,000 kids. TCU's got like 10,000, 12,000, something like that. Yeah, yeah. they and did that's a bunch of comparisons
0: during the game of how much, you know, the discrepancy in the size was. And it's like, and it, honestly, towards the third quarter, it felt like, here, Michigan fans, this is how this David is whooping Goliath's ass again. <laughs> <laughs> They're this small, you're this yeah, big. You know, it was just like, all right, dude, we get it. But no, they definitely are definitely a smaller school. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I and I think that I think that really does impact the game. But uh, and back to the conferences, we'll dive back in right here. So if you look at the final the final tally of the season, the American Conference went four and three, uh, and again that's going to be completely restructured. So we just don't know how they're going to look next year. The ACC went five and four. The Big Twelve went two and six, but they did have one team make it to the Natty. Uh, Big 10 went five and four conference. USA went three and three independence went three and two. Uh, The Mac went four and two mountain West went three and four pac 12 went three and four and SEC went six and five. Sunbelt went three and four to be completely honest. I legitimately think that uh, I legitimately think that the, the, the group of five conferences did better in the bowl games. Like, Hey, like, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about Tulane putting it on freaking USC right now. Granted, (laughs) granted like there are some serious like tactical errors like look you never fair catch when you're that close to the sidelines just let the ball go out of bounds like either it bounces and goes out of bounds and you get a penalty or it rolls into the end zone and you get a touchback but that kid made a crucial error that really changed the face of the game however you still got to play all facets of the game and again this goes back and this is the thing that sticks into my crawl before we dive into joe's blue falcon of the week but this sticks into my crawl how in the H-E double hockey sticks. Did Caleb Williams win the Heisman? Now, even more, it's even more marred because not only did you lose two to the same team, but then you lost to Tulane in a bowl game, which for all other intents and purposes, like even if you watch college football and you're a deep, diehard Tulane fan, like there is no way that Tulane should have ever been on the same field as USC, let alone beating them. And maybe... I mean. Two Maybe lanes I'm defense was not
1: exactly holding up for most of that game. You know, they that uh, um, Tajay Spears, that's our running back's name, right? I mean, yeah. it was like the Tajay Spears show versus USC. Okay, that's fine, Spears is a good player, but that two lane defense was not exactly holding up. And if they hadn't gotten that, that safety off that weird kickoff, like USC was going to win that game. Um, the, I mean, the only thing you can't do in that situation is take a safety. That's that was awful. I mean that was yeah. awful.
2: I mean, just, just throw the ball away. Yeah. <laughs> just throw the ball away. But he's a Heisman, he's a Heisman trophy winner, man. Like like he's the best quarterback in college football. Like it mm. drives me crazy. And I and, and legitimately I think they gave him the damn diversity vote because he's got freaking dreads in his hair and he paints his freaking fingernails.
0: Hmm. That's 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 something to think about. That could have been it. But I tell you what, I'm a Tulane fan rolling into next year. They did not prove <laughs> me wrong once this year. Love that (laughs) green
2: weight. (laughs) All right. right. So we know who uh, Joe's going to be rooting for when he's not watching Michigan. All right. Now let's move on to the Blue Falcon of the week. Do you have somebody in mind?
0: Yes. All right, football gods. Remember that this is of the week. I haven't forgotten what this man has done for the culture. But it's it's Jim Harbaugh, man. (laughs) Stop taking NFL interviews in the middle of recruiting season. Stop it. You're 17th in recruiting after going to the final four in football two years in a row. That's unheard of. You're like third or fourth in the Big Ten East right now. Kids aren't coming to go to Michigan that are five stars if they think the coach is going to be coaching the Broncos next week. Like, I don't care who's gotta pull their pocketbook out. Steven Ross went to school here. I mean, for crying out loud, we had a we had a president go here. Darth Vader went to Michigan. That's right. James Earl Jones. Dave Portnoy of Bar School Sports. <laughs> Somebody pull their pocketbook out and sign Howard Raw to a contract that says no more NFL interviews, not during recruiting season, because you're gonna give Trigger Joe a heart attack. But for this week, I'm so That's two. We did two interviews with the Panthers and the Broncos. So Uh, For this week, it's hardball for doing that during recruiting season because if you're a mother who's very protective of your son and one coach might be leaving and one coach might – it's a really easy decision. Michigan's going to lose out on that recruit. So, there it is. Can you tell it got me triggered? It's a little close to the heart. Sorry, fellas, I (laughs) I got a little, little, little animated on that one. But, man, it drives me nuts. Because it's right all over ESPN. It's almost like they might as well say, hey, Joe, Harbaugh took another NFL. That's what the story feels like. It's like they're saying it to me because when he goes and does an interview, that's first headlines. It's the first one I see. Oh, he sat down with another NFL team. Cool. What we lose? Four or five stars out of that? All right. No big deal.
1: Hope it went well. Like, where's the Minnesota where they, one. Two, go ahead. They got him going to go the Panthers, right? That's the latest thing I think I've seen. I don't follow. Uh, he did like... the Broncos interview after that.
2: So, yeah, he did, okay. he, he did He did the Broncos and the Panthers. And there's one other team that was out there. I forget which one it is. But this this is all I'm going to say. This is Ryan Day like this. Every time was <laughs> like, come <laughs> on. He's like, come he's on almost now. got He's almost got
0: his will be pulled down over. Like, uh, he's still there. He's still there. He's leaving. He's leaving. All right, let me know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just had think to take a
0: jab at Buckeyes on that one. Yeah, I legitimately
2: <sighs> think that 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 one's coming, man. E- either way, like if Hardball leaves, I think yes, it's just, it is. I think it's just a matter. Of, well, I think really, what so it anybody is, anybody remember Brady Hope? Anybody
0: remember Rich Rodriguez? Huh? Somebody pull out a check and sign him now. I my I, I'm 42 years yeah. old. I can't go through another period
2: in my life. Like that. <laughs> I don't have a lot of hair left. <laughs> I I legitimately think it's 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 a culture change for for Harbaugh to stay there. You know what I mean? Like they already made him take a pay cut. He's got a whole bunch of younger coaches along along the staff with him. So I think it just can he still connect with the players? And I think if he still has the ability to connect with the players and coach, I I, I think he's good. But I think really, you know, and we have talked about this and we texted back and forth about uh, you know he doesn't have to recruit when he goes to the NFL. Yeah. You know, right. And, and that's and that's a very significant portion of his time as a coach that he could be used spend doing something else. And not to say that, you know, he goes to every you know athlete's house because you're probably get position coaches or assistant coaches or whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, to have Jim Harbaugh walk into your your, your living room and say, hey, look, your son would look good in maize and blue. You should probably come to Michigan like that breeze. will. like if I was a high school kid, like I would seriously consider it so long as uh, he's still there as the coach.
0: Mm, it, exactly. That, I mean, that's, that's you know, the, it's a great story about Mike Tomlin and uh, uh, Ryan Clark. Did you see that story when, when Ryan Clark was wanted to come back and he had four or five doctors, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, for anyone listening that doesn't know who Mike Tomlin is, but he was sitting there and Ryan Clark had a bunch of doctors say, you know, I can go, I can play. And, of course, like Ronnie Lott cut my finger off, I want to go back in the game, you know. Tomlin said my obligation in that moment was to protect protect you from yourself from yourself. Mm. And even mm. a pro coach is like a father figure. So a college coach is definitely yeah. like a father figure because these are yeah. kids we're talking about. Yeah. you're not just going to change my father figure's face and name and likeness for me to go. Oh, yeah, I'll still blindly walk into that as a leap of faith. You can't I mean, you can't even ask a kid to do that. So I understand the recruits leaving if he's not going to be there. And I fully expect it. That's
1: why I want someone to sign him so he stays. You ain't going to replace them. <laughs> David yeah, Graves asked, wasn't that for a game in Denver? I, I got to be honest, I have no idea, so I figured I'd throw it out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure either. All right, so, Dan, are you got a note here in the outline? Yeah, well, five? as long yeah. as we're
1: talking about the pros, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Max Duggan, who was like the hero through the back half of the season, right? Um, yeah. He's already declared for the draft. Apparently, he had this conversation with the Cowboys, and they are like, oh, yeah, you know, you're probably going to go on day three. So, first off, I'm scratching my head there because – as a day 3 uh day 3 uh draft pick, he might be able to make that much money through NIL at TCU like probably. Um so it, anyway, he's 62, he's 210, four-year starter, 25 and 18 overall in that time with two truly outstanding seasons, almost a 64% completion percentage passer in the last 2 years, 32 touchdowns versus 8 interceptions this year. I don't think anyone thinks TCU was getting anywhere near this game without Max Duggan under center. What does this guy have to go to do to get into the top three rounds? The first two days of the draft, like I can see taking Bryce Young ahead of oh, ahead of Max Duggan. I can see taking C.J. Stroud. I thought Stroud played very well against Georgia, better than Duggan did. Um, I could even see taking Stetson Bennett ahead of Duggan, although. I'd be a little concerned about Bennett's age as a pro team because I don't know how much long je- longevity he's got there but that's another that's another thing but like some of these other guys you know they had uh Kentucky's quarterback like that dude is supposed to be better than Max Duggan like yeah I don't know about that and even with Hendon Hooker who's amazing projected in third round like he's coming off that knee injury you don't know what he's going to look like coming back from that and you know I think what Duggan did is at least comparable to what Hooker did with much less uh, supporting cast so you know if the let's let, I'm a Giants fan you guys know that so if the Giants put the franchise tag on Daniel Jones then like to me Duggan is a third round pick that you take to sit behind Jones and, and who knows what's going to happen like they didn't pick up his fifth year option so franchise tag is pretty freaking expensive for Daniel Jones man
0: Um I'll, I'll take him in Honolulu blue all day long yeah Lion's I got a ton of draft
1: picks this year Da- yeah. uh, David Graves says his passing accuracy wasn't good enough. He missed a lot True. of open receivers. Um, I don't know, man. Sixty-four percent completion percentage is pretty freaking good. I mean, I understand like missing open receivers is not ideal, especially in the pros. But sixty-four percent is sixty-four percent. Like that's that's pretty good on just bottom line.
2: Yeah, and, and the other way, the other thing is you got to you kind of have to look at the way that offenses are being run in the NFL now, right? So we're getting yeah. more. We're getting more closely (laughs) to replicate
0: change quarterbacks again you know we're moving moving way closer
2: yeah you're fine we're moving we're moving way closer to you know more rpo style offenses and so a guy like max duggan is probably more useful to certain teams than he would be as like your typical you know drop back passer that you know we traditionally grew up with he's not an aaron Rodgers or tom brady he's more of a lamar jackson maybe less athletic so but he's definitely durable you know what I mean, yeah. and I think, and I think that that evolution in the game is start to to reshape how these players are, are are looked at because like there's a ton of talented quarterbacks this year, and again like like you just never know how they're going to pan out because a few years ago somebody told us that Johnny Manziel was going to be good, right? And so yep. where is he now? Yeah, the XFL the XFL. Watched my car
0: Saturday. Uh, <laughs> there's a place to just open, um, but. To answer Dano's question though about what he's got to do to jump ahead of those guys, if he has a really good pro day, because every 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 guy with a eight figure check to write to a quarterback is gonna send their best quarterback scout to his pro day. And if he outshines those guys, I got him ahead of Stetson Bennett. No, I, I, I'm sorry. Come on. Seriously? Yeah, yeah no, uh... I got Max. I'll take Max Duggan ahead of Stetson Bennett as a pro. And I'm telling the reason why. The guy runs a 21 flat 200 meters. I've only ran against one man that ran a 21 flat 200 meters. And let me Dude, tell you, no he's flying I, fast. He's way more athletic no than way. people give him
1: credit for. I'm telling you, I just oh, look Greg, at the Greg agrees with we, you. I think you're smoking crack, but that's fine. We we <laughs> said, Yeah, but we said it ahead of time. Where is TCU without him? No, we that's true. They've of
0: Georgia, and they're going to plug and play and probably be in the SEC championship anyways. That's just my yeah. opinion. You well, do that to TCU, and, and, and who knows if they're they lose two or three games? Baylor, yeah, and, you know, you, you got to think. You got to think
2: about the the contributions in other aspects of the game. So, for example, like when you look at Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett wasn't getting it done with his legs, but he also had a crew of running backs with seven touchdowns apiece, right? So he threw thirty-eight touchdowns or thirty-seven touchdowns, but he also had a running game that contributed twenty-one touchdowns to that team. Whereas Max Duggan didn't have that same level of support in the running game. Right here. So when you look at
1: have a bunch of jobbers out there, though, like they got some decent running. backs. Well, Johnson and
0: they they had a good running game. But here here is my the best way I think that I can clarify my point is put Stetson Bennett in a TCU uniform and put Max Duggan in a Georgia uniform. Do both teams end up in the
1: same place? And my answer is Georgia. Yes. TCU. Probably not. So his supposedly man. Stetson Bennett had an, had an offer from Louisiana that he almost took coming out of whatever his Juco was that he went after that Juco year. Imagine uh-huh. Stetson Bennett at Louisiana. Like we wouldn't even be having this conversation.
2: Yeah. That, that's that, wild.
1: That's yeah. Yeah. Yep. But,
2: and I mean, when, when I think, when I think about prolific college football quarterbacks, man, you, you want the guys that that can lead, that can game change, you know? And it, it, it's like, like, who who do you want in the situation? like, I personally you know looking at the looking at the landscape of college football like CJ Stroud super talented athlete I don't want him under the gun like absolutely not if I'm down by a touchdown hmm. with two to three minutes on the clock absolutely not I don't want I don't want CJ Stroud lead my team I don't want I'm telling you who I'm taking
0: because you can get him at a discount because he had that horrible injury but I'm taking Hendon hooker yeah
2: yeah well they're to go get him in at, the you're
0: third. gonna get him late and you're gonna get him yeah. cheap. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're
1: talking about him going in the third. And I think right. he had a good chance of being in the top five, probably in the high second at the latest without that injury. So that's
0: that's Look probably him true.
1: healthy against Alabama. I mean,
2: yeah. that dude. Well, and, well, and the other part of it is really is based off of the, based off of the team that drafts them is what's their expectation to play that first season. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of these teams are now like playing for the long game. And so if they're playing for the long game, like, yeah, I can, I could spend a first or second round draft pick to get in hooker. If I know he's going to sit on the bench for a year or do some, you know, some cleanup time or whatever, to make sure that yeah. he heals up properly. Because I think like, that's a steal because if everybody else is going, you know, third round, maybe early fourth, like he might be the guy that, that gets picked up. But like, it's so hard to tell because you just don't know what the teams are, what, what direction the teams are going. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that makes it, you know, the big question mark. And, of course, yeah, the other part of it is, is, like, we got these – like, again, like, these guys got freaking walkers in college because they're so damn old <laughs> playing quarterback. Yeah. You know, like, we – yeah. like, the whole extra year COVID eligibility is a pain in the butt. And, and I will be glad when it's over just because, like, these guys, I get it for name, image, and likeness. You're – perpetuating your future by collecting all this cash but you're hurting your your potential opportunity in the pros by sitting back and trying to stay in college because the difference could be one play like in, well, in the poker space it absolutely was
1: so so there's fewer scholarships now for younger players because older players are hanging out eating up the money and that's not fair like that's you're just sort of shifting things around a little bit like there, there's not an infinite number of starting spots, even in co- even in college, like there's more, obviously, you know, and I would say everybody at a certain level is probably going to get an opportunity somewhere. But it it's crazy that dudes are just like hanging out, because if you've been in college for six years, then that's somebody that's like up to two years of their time that you just took.
2: Yeah, well, you're and- in there for six. And and you're asked best to have a master's degree and not some underwater basket weaving or, you know, elementary communications or some goofy shit like that. Because it's like, look, you're you're wasting your time and marketability vice. The guys like and I use Larry Fitzgerald as the example of the dude that still pursued his degree while he was a player, you know. Oh, a lot of guys do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is to have that opportunity to continue to do that, like you can still do that as a pro, whether you play four years in college, three years in college, whatever. And it's just, it's just prudent to do. It's like, it's hedging your bets in case you get an injury or something crazy. Like,
1: I mean, I told my own daughter that when she was talking about potentially taking a year off, I was like, look, college is not going anywhere. You know, you want to get a job, like get a job. I don't care. You know, it's fine. I I think with that NIL, I think the bonus
0: to the actual community and and to the contributions that these young athletes can make, I do believe they're showing them and making a stronger version of themselves than they normally would because they understand their value they understand how to market themselves they understand that maybe football can be a springboard to get my foot in the door at other places just like as a veteran sure i'll use that tag to get my foot in the door and then let my we'll judge on meritocracy after that but um i think it's real a really great tool to show these guys um that hey you can make some money outside of the arena of football in case you do blow a knee out or something like that Um, You're not in a terrible position and you understand the business world a little bit better.
2: Yeah. And and I know, like like I said, I talked to to Ron Moses, who's like the the VP for player management at Old Dominion University about a year ago when NIL first came out. And one of the things that he talked about was how they built it into their business curriculum. So like, hey, look, if you're going to do NIL, we're going to grade you on how well you manage your money or how well you manage your likeness so basically it's a business degree. So that's your capstone event. As you're leaving school, you're getting marks on how much you were able to generate fund wise. And that's tangible. You know what I mean? It's not subjective. Yeah, that it's matters. Like, you know, it's not like, eh, I don't know. I think he did. Okay. Like, no, this kid made <laughs> freaking 600, you know, $600,000 yeah. selling Snapple and t-shirts or whatever versus, you know, the other, the other alternative, which is, you know, keeping this stuff under wraps where the kids weren't, you know, able to take advantage of it. And like I said, I, I personally think I understand the reason why NIL happened is because when you look at the NCAA numbers before COVID, they are making like $936 million. It is a nonprofit organization. How do you make $936 million if you're a nonprofit, you know, and if you are, where is that money going? Where is it being? Directed yeah. to? Why? You know, who's, who's skimming off the top because 900, and, you know, $936 million is basically a billion dollars. So where do the other $64 million go? Like, that's my question. Right. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw it out there. Comments from the peanut gallery, man. We like having you guys on here. I think this is pretty cool. Getting to have the interaction with you guys, any comments, anything that you want to get some final thoughts on before we kind of wrap this thing up and, and close out the show. And the firsty club is silent but uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, I, I just wanted to highlight a couple quick before we get off the air. And uh, this is the college. But don't feel afraid to jump onto the ask for football website and explore ask for lax and ask for baseball. So Dano and James are going to be covering baseball and uh, lax in the, in the spring winter, spring timeframe. Uh, the army men's team dropped a close one last night to, uh, to Colgate, 77 to 75 in Patriot League play, which really, really sucks, you know. Uh, the women's basketball team is currently eighth in the Patriot League, and they lost to uh, the Colgate women's basketball team 65 to 52. There's still a lot of play to go, but Army has their work cut out for them because uh, – Yeah, you know, they're the, struggling. The, the League, women are struggling. Yeah, the Patriot League has always been tough for Army, and, and it's, it's hit or miss uh, like with the women's team, and I still have never understood that the entire time, you know, watching basketball at school, both men and women's just getting over the hump. And Colgate has always been a habitual thorn in the black Knight side, particularly when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to army basketball play. And then one final note that I have to have, and I put this in here just last minute, because again, like there are some damn unsung heroes out there. So your athletic trainers, man, like if you have an athletic trainer in your life, give them a smack on the back and say, thank you. Because uh, Eric Huss had a pretty scary injury over the weekend at uh, during the hockey game. Uh, got got a freaking skate across the neck, which is crazy. Never heard mm-hmm. of that one. Yeah, and uh, Rachel Leahy, who is the uh, the athletic trainer, she basically jumped across the boards, patched this kid up, and basically held him together long enough to get life saving care. Which, like, he could have bled out wow. very, very easily. And uh, she she literally saved his life. And Huss is back at the academy today, so he's back. I don't know if he's going to be playing anytime soon, but I mean. To have something of that significant happen, you know, and and not end up poorly is, is great. And, you know, hat tip to her because I think that was a really great opportunity for her to uh, to step up and show, you know, the necessity. And like she graduated in 2016. So that makes she's like just under 30 years old and she's yeah. not a soldier. And for somebody to be able to react in a moment like that, that takes some really good training and it's a really great reaction. So I really appreciate her efforts. You know, and again, stay on top of all the rest of the Army sports. You can go to the uh, to the Army West Point website. That'll have all the listings of what's currently going on, what's televised, and everything else. In between those times, when you're going okay. to the Ask for Football website and checking out the articles that Dano and James are writing. But so again, we got we got um, a question
1: about predictions. Um, I, I just real quick the uh I, the la- lacrosse team has definitely got to be in rebuilding mode after graduating a bunch of really good seniors last year. Um, I think baseball has a decent chance to repeat as Patriot league champs. I mean, that that's like a machine over there, although they got a new coach. Uh, We'll see how it goes, but um, I I mean, who knows, you know, last time I thought lacrosse was going to be rebuilding, they actually made it to the national, to the uh, um, national tournament, the championship tournament. So I, you know, crazy things do happen and they've been recruiting very well, but anyway, as far as, as far as predictions go just want to drop that in there sorry rob i cut you off
2: no you're, you're you're fine and then uh the other we got a late comment from uh from ray uh, anybody watching the coach prime show yes i'm watching it i absolutely love it i think uh i'm a i'm a firm believer in coach prime you know i was yeah. believe it or not bef- before i even started watching army football religiously i was a colorado buffaloes fan for many 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 years and uh You know, I used to like them because of the talent, the offense that they ran, the way that they were able to win. You know, like Colorado was one of the only teams in the country that could compete with Notre Dame when Rocket Ishmael was playing. For those of you guys that are old enough to remember that, and I am, um, you know, I am bringing, you know, bringing Coach Prime to UC Boulder, like culture shock for all, for all parties involved i'm sure because he's a, he's a way different guy he's a southern dude you know that's just the way that he is coach prime has some swag and if you are not watching that show like if you watch anything there's two things that you need to watch so there's a youtube series that came out around 2016 called uh, i believe and that's actually the colorado like the year that colorado went like 10 and 2 that's a mm-hmm. great series to watch because they were talking about uh they were talking about how the team kind of built itself up to get to that point where they were winning. But then the other part of it is, is um, watching, watching coach prime interact with his players and yeah. like his whole, like that, that whole coaching staff, like I would go play for those dudes right now. And I'm almost 50. Like if they were like, Hey, suit up. I'd be like out there, regardless of who it was because all those cats were, were, were pretty awesome coaches. And I hope that uh, some of those guys get opportunities because he left. But I also think, you know, his opportunity in Colorado is is going to be huge. And, yeah. Well, the other part of it is it kind of puts him in the driver's seat. Like if he recruits well, like Colorado could win the Pac-12 in a year or two yeah. just because of the restructuring of the league. Right. Yeah. And like that's something that we're not even talking about. And so like with the playoff expansion, like don't be surprised to see them in 2024, 2025 playing in the playoff. And hey, look. Say what you want about uh, Dion bringing his kid with him as a tra- in the transfer portal, but Shador Sanders, like that kid's a stud. Yeah,
1: why? Why would he not bring him? Isn't he like a four or five star? You I ain't guess. playing.
0: You ain't playing for Coach Prime unless you got the stuff. That's all there is yeah. to it. I don't care if he's his his flesh and blood or not. He definitely ain't gonna put that kid on front street to get blasted in front of the nation if he doesn't have the talent. I think he believes in his son, and I'll, I'll give you a prediction for next year. College uh, Colorado goes to a bowl game and within yeah. three years placed for the Pac-10 championship, or Pac-12 championship, within yeah, three.
2: yeah. He, I, I he, he's
0: going to bring a culture change. He's going to bring respect back to that Colorado name and uh, maybe, maybe wake up a sleeping giant like Nebraska was supposed to do when they came to the Big Ten, even though they're still snoozing. They're taking a pretty long nap. But uh, I think Colorado will uh, definitely – they're going to be a power to be reckoned with um, very soon. I, I believe the turnaround will be quick.
2: Yeah. And I think, and and legitimately, the other part of it is, and honestly, I think after, after, you know, watching the prime series and then watching kind of all the fallout from him leaving bottom line is like, he went to a place where he knew he was going to get support. He knew where the university was going to put the time, energy, and effort into the players as well as the team. And I think that legitimately was the problem. Like, part of the reason why he left, like, hey, he says it multiple times. I love Jackson State University. I love these kids. I love these players. I love, 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 love the culture, everything about it. However, one thing that he didn't like was watching those numbers and his, you know, checkbook go down because he's paying for bottled water for his team, hotels for his team, redesign of the locker room, like all the things that he paid out of pocket to make happen because the university wasn't supporting I guarantee you he has that at Colorado and then some. I will pause he's still paying. It- Be- yeah.
0: Yeah. Because of an because of an obligation that, that you know he incurred by telling them that he'd help with their training facility upgrades. He's still paying. Um, and that's the thing about Coach Prime is that like if you're not a believer, just follow him for a little bit. Show me a chink in his armor where he's full of you know what or a gimmick. He's not. He's not. He's different. That's for sure. He's not your cookie cutter standard coach, but that dude commands respect, um, and he's going to make sure his team's command respect. I, I think it's going to be amazing to see what he does at Colorado, because you're right, uh, Colonel Rob. He's going to have the checkbook backing him up.
2: Yeah, and, and ultimately, now in the days of NIL, guess what? The checkbook is a weapon. You know, as far mm-hmm. as developing your team, and I think a lot of people are starting to 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 wake up to that fact. You know, for a fact, like you know, even even the controversy with Nick Saban talking about JSU and like, that's in the first episode of the prime show. And prime was like, Nick Saban's my guy, man. I'll just go talk to him about it. And like, they're shooting an Aflac commercial and they're sitting in the trailer and they have a conversation and coach Saban is like, you know what I meant? Yeah. I understand because I know you, because we have these conversations. We talk as professionals about our respective universities and I get it. And at the end of the day, these coaches, you know, like, there are going to be some schools, like, think of this, and and this is the most mind-blowing thing, and then I will close the show when I think about this. <laughs> but, like, look at it this way. There are players right now in college football that have the earning potential to make more money than their coach. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Due to name, image, and likeness. Just think of yeah. it that way. Right. And that's in all sports. That's not just in football, but that's in all sports in the NC2A that are, you know, that are sanctioned. And so when you think of it from that perspective, as a coach, you have to bring more to the table. So you have to bring the mentorship. You have to bring the leadership. You have to bring that culture and that lifestyle to get those kids ready. And one of the things that Deion Sanders says, and, and, and he said in the most recent episode, because Anquan Bolden from NFL fame, his son is playing for Jackson State. And one of the things that he said is like, this kid is got an NFL checkbook. He's just waiting to sign it. He just doesn't realize his potential yet. Mm. And so to have a, a a coach with the caliber of coach Dion as a athlete to say, you know, to say, Hey, look, this guy has the ultimate potential to do big things in the pros that shows a strong belief in the kid. And like, who who doesn't believe that? Like if your coach told you, like you can play in the NFL, you're going to make it to the Olympics, you're going to be the next big thing in your respective sport. Who doesn't want to follow a guy like that? You know, particularly if you know their acumen and, and whether or not it's true. Yep. All that being said, we'll go one last time around the horn, Joe. Any last final thoughts before we close this thing out and we uh, go into slumber for the next <laughs> ten years? Oh,
0: hang hang on tight, gentlemen. To August, it will be here soon. I know the other sports aren't the same, but there'll be enough. It'll get us through. And uh anybody listening with a checkbook in the in the Michigan community, sign that <laughs> man so I don't lose any more hair. Please love him God go blue, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And
1: uh I can't wait to do more shows with you, gentlemen. But this has been a blast.
2: All right, thanks, Joe. Dano, how about you?
1: I just need some snow, man. I'm fine. Like college football is great. It's, it's ski season. And then we got open water swimming season. And then we'll roll right back into football, like to everything it's place. but we need a little snow. It's a little bit too damn warm in the Northeast right now.
2: Yeah. All right. And I have no other comments. I think I left the, the, the point to ponder for the off season is figuring out how many players actually make more money than their coach. So that'll be that'll be interesting research a deep dive in the off season to see what happens. I can almost assure you that it's happening in uh, a lot of the 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 title nine sports because mm. those gals can market themselves a hell of a lot better than uh, some of their some of their uh, counterparts, I guess, would be the, the right way to say it. However, for the last college football roundtable of the 2022 2023 season. I am Rob, the Angry Colonel, coming to you out of the center of the universe. We've got Dano Icabesa coming out of Coastal Connecticut. And everybody's favorite, the NCO of the two O's and an NCO, Trigger Joe, out of the home of the big house. And we thank you guys for checking us out, and we will talk to you guys later. Thanks.
1: Beat Navy.
2: Beat him. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to Ask for Football, College Football Roundtable, and as always, Beat Navy.